Coming up on today's edition of Locked on Eagles. Look, there's been a lot of buzz about the Eagles 2022 offseason. Where does that buzz rank among past exciting offseasons? We're going to get into it on today's edition of Locked on Eagles. You are Locked on Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. This Monday edition of Lockdown Eagles is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you cover the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before because Bet Online is where the game starts. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Gino Camilleri. You can find us Monday through Friday on all podcast platforms, also on YouTube. Make sure you check us out in video form. We appreciate everybody subscribing to the channel, really trying to grow our video content. We've got exclusive videos as well on that channel. So make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Eagles YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Birds at GC24 underscore football and at DiBiase L-O-E. Gino, it's been a super exciting offseason for the Eagles in 2022. And, you know, since we've been doing this show, I feel like each offseason has been very eventful. On paper, it's always super exciting. So today we're going to get into the excitement level of how we feel right now in May compared to past off seasons that, you know, in comparison kind of match up with this one. You know, you can go back to 2019, uh, 2017, 2016, the dream team in 2011. Heck, maybe even you were into what Chip Kelly was doing in 2015. But before we get into that in segment two and three, I want to get into the story with you that I saw from the Philadelphia Inquirer over the weekend. It was really just talking more about the Eagles front office dynamic. And it sounds like that Jeffrey Lurie has, quote unquote, taken a step back and Howie Roseman has even more say in this front office. And so far, we've loved the result that's come from this offseason. Was that really a, a surprise for you to hear that Lurie is less hands-on? I don't know. I don't feel like it's super revealing about Howie's control in power. I think we all knew what kind of roster control he's had and the pull he has, especially after 2020. But Lurie, though, you know, we learned slowly over the years how much control he really did have. So to hear that he's taken a step back was interesting for sure. When you look at the structure of the NFL, I think it's evident which teams have their owners with a lot of say in yeah. their front office. You could see the clips of the Colts when Jim Ursay is there. We know Dan Snyder's effect on Washington. Oh, he's about to get Jeff- voted out of the league, apparently, it sounds he, like. He might be gone forever, and, and that could it's be a time. good thing for the NFL. But Jeffrey Lurie is one of the most respected guys in football, I would say. I think he's well-respected around the NFL, and it was just finding that balance of how much should yeah. he delegate, how much should he have input. Because I don't think there should be a complete separation of church and state. I think your owner should have input. I think your owner should know what's going on in day-to-day. But should he be a person who's making key decisions in personnel? That's another question. I believe Jeffrey knows football. I believe he has an understanding of scouting. Not as well as your general manager and Andy Wydell, director of player personnel. Yeah. Yeah, everybody else in that department. But at the same time, you don't want an individual who's just in the background not doing anything. 
But yeah, you don't need the Cincinnati Bengals. Right, you know, exactly. And where they're not into football doesn't feel like it. Although they improved dramatically last year and made the Super Bowl. Gino, we know how like cheap the Bengals have been over the years mm-hmm. and how disciplined and maybe just like not really prioritizing winning. So yeah, I agree. There's like striking a balance. You want an owner that cares and that's passionate, but Definitely. you don't want an owner in the room saying, I want to take JJ Ortega Whiteside, or even like saying, I would take JJ, because that's going to directly influence the front office and their decisions, right. even if you don't say take J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, like Lurie said he didn't a few months ago during his press conference. But when you say that directly, though, that's going to influence the front office's decision when the big boss kind of says who he would prefer. So, yeah, there's definitely a balance that this Eagles team needs to strike. They've struggled with it in the past, and it seems like right now they're on the same page. It's, again, sustaining that that's always been the key. Yeah, when your owner is in there, anybody who's ever worked in a corporate setting. Yeah, imagine your boss says, I think we should do this. You're not, I mean, he doesn't tell you directly, but you're going to do it. Automatagascar with the Penguins, you just smile and wave, boys. Like, that's just like one of the things you do. And I could see that happening in the National Football League as well. I believe, though, Jeffrey Lurie has seen the change over the past couple of years. And I think he feels confident taking a step back. Maybe there was a little bit where things got a little awry that he wanted to step in, get more hands well, on. He felt like he lost his team to Chip mm-hmm. Kelly. You could tell after that, too, there was way more involvement. Yeah, he said he was going to be more involved in the coaching search. Yeah. After that took play, we know how much he was involved in getting Doug Peterson here. But after that, he kind of took a step back in the Nick Sirianni coaching search. He wasn't as hands-on as the Doug Peterson one. And he found that middle ground. And I think he's finding that middle ground again with the front office and the player personnel department to say, hey, I'll be there, but I'm not going to be as involved. Yeah, I'm not going to pick your coaching staff either. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was an issue too in 2020. I mean, I, I think that they were right to not trust what Doug was doing with the coaching staff. But at the same time, if you don't trust your head coach to pick his own staff, you know, you got to make a change. We, we all knew the story about Lurie and Roseman kind of middling there with, so many cooks in the kitchen hiring Marty Morningweg and bringing in all these different you know pieces because they just didn't really trust what Doug was doing. So there's a balancing act there for sure. Um, and, and Gino, I think with when it comes to Howie's power though, again that didn't really surprise me. We've all known the say and the pull that he has in this organization. And right now, he deserves all the praise for what he's doing with that power. Again, my issue has never been, we all have known the control. It's now, okay, now that we know how much say he has, and even apparently more now after reading the story, you want to give him all the praise, but you also need to hold him accountable if Mm -hmm. things go bad again. You can't have one or the other. That's been an issue in the past. So again, I think the key of this segment really is just balancing act, right? Because- even with how we having more say though, you also want your coaches involved. You want your scouts to have a lot of say. And right now though, it does feel like they're in sync. All you have to do is look at their defensive additions. That is everything they've done. Looks like what Jonathan Gannon would do if he was the GM. Mm. So it seems like it's in sync and that's good. You don't want to abuse that power you have. You still need it to be a collaborative effort. I think you could say the same exact thing about the offense in terms of being on the same page. I mean, anybody who brings in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith year over year. Zach Pascal. I mean, that was literally Nick Sirianni's favorite (laughs) player of all time. Great call. And it just seems that they're on the same page. And I think one of the things that we could kind of take away from Jeffrey taking a step back is the idea of accountability in that now there's a clear path or a clear division and who does what, right? Like, I think for a while, like, 
got a little blended. You could make the argument that Jeffrey was too involved to an extent. He might have been responsible for some of those decisions. Now it's on Howie. If there ever comes a time that Jeffrey wants to separate himself from Howie, I think that path becomes a little easier as well. And you have to take a step back to say, okay, maybe without my bias in the room, maybe without my mindset and having people look at me and say, we're going to do what the big boss wants to do. Just take a step back and see if things do change a little bit. And you want to say the guys that I've put in place can do their job without me being there. Delegation is the key to one of being a great leader. We know that Jeffrey Lurie, I think he continues to learn. I think his son's involvement with the team is going to continue to take a bigger role over the next couple of years. We have seen that he has wanted to get more involved in player personnel. So maybe Jeffrey is trying to build that bridge to the next heir apparent sure. to his role. Yeah, right? his son was – I saw him at the Senior Bowl. He was talking a lot to Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni, so he was down there. That could definitely be a part of it for sure. That's a good point. But, yeah, it's all about accountability and striking a balance, and this team has really struggled with that mm-hmm. over the years. And, you know, especially you look at 2018 to 2020 and what happened. So now we know even more control that Roseman has just if things go bad again – got to hold them accountable. But right now it's going really good. So you don't want to force mm-hmm. something negative that's not there right now. Howie Roseman has really stepped up and bounced back since that downfall a couple of years ago. Uh, and again, Gino, it's been such an exciting offseason. There's been a ton of buzz about this football team, thanks in large part to what Roseman's doing. Coming up next, I want to get into with you, like energy-wise, excitement-wise, this is all on paper. But when it comes to past offseasons, compared to how you were feeling after the draft, you know, the work they had done on paper, how exciting is 2022 compared to those off season seasons? So we'll get into it coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by the official sports book of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's Bet Online. They continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs. You got the Golden State Warriors now up 3-0 over the Dallas Mavericks. I hammered that over on Andrew Wiggins yesterday. Crushed it at Bet Online. I love betting on the NBA. You can do that at BetOnline.net. You've got the MLB going on right now. Also, the NHL playoffs have been super exciting. Connor McDavid taking over. You've got UFC fights, boxing. Even the next season for the NFL, you can bet on futures right now. Everything at Bet Online. Again, they're your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and so much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device. Head over to BetOnline.net because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, Eagles fans, thanks so much for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day. Make sure your second listen is the Locked On Today podcast. All the news across the world of sports in under 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your shows. Gino, we're getting into today again, just overall the buzz of the 2022 offseason for the Eagles. It's been electric and it kind of started off pretty quiet, right? They made a big move on day one of free agency. They landed Hassan Riddick. That was a move me and you said could be one of the big, like if they were going to make a big splash, what could it be? That was one that we listed. But then it got kind of quiet. You kept hearing news like they almost traded for Calvin Ridley. Didn't happen. They wanted Marcus Williams. Didn't happen. They were in on Allen Robinson and Robert Woods and a bunch of different free agents. And it felt like they just kept falling short. But then draft day, 
everything changed, right? They trade up for Jordan Davis. They trade for AJ Brown. I should mention the Kazir white move before the draft too. super underrated. And I think he's going to be a big piece for this team in 2022. But again, it was really the draft where the excitement level took off. You got Davis and Brown. Then you steal N'Kobe Dean on day two. Last week, you get James Bradbury. It's crazy how things have rolled. And Gino, again, it's one of the most exciting off seasons we've had. And we've had a ton with the Eagles. The off season is, even if it doesn't work out during the season, uh, growing up an Eagles fan, it's never been boring, even after the season. Keyword: growing up an Eagles fan. I remember that Torello and Siobhan Curse off season, where they bring both of those guys in, perennial All Pros, back to back years. And I remember there was a whole thing where Terrell Owens ended up signing with Baltimore prior to the Eagles ever meeting him. Yeah, and then they right. had to go through that whole ordeal to get him into Philadelphia. So never in like a 24-hour period did I think cha things change as quickly as they have in this offseason. That yeah. 24 hours where you get N'Kobe Dean, you get Jordan Davis, you trade for A.J. Brown, a lot went right for you in terms of personnel. You got three instant impact starters like that in the yeah. blink of an eye. Yeah, when has it, it changed that drastically? Because, like, I don't know, 2011, there was a ton going on throughout the entirety of the offseason, 2016, right. too. Maybe it was 2015 when Chip, like, in two or three weeks, traded away LaShawn McCoy for Kiko mm -hmm. Alonso. He let Jeremy Macklin walk. He traded Nick Foles for Sam Bradford. That was probably the last chaotic offseason where just a million things happened in the span of a few weeks. Nothing happened as fast as it did this year. Yeah. I mean, you could culminate the entire Eagles offseason in probably a 72-hour period. The, uh, the first day free agency, signing yeah. Hassan Reddick, signing Kaiser White for whatever time it took to get him in there, and then the entirety of day one and day two of the NFL draft. Things went right. Things are going right in Philadelphia. And to look back at the past, I think – when you look at a lot of the moves that happened back in the chip days, right? Yeah. And back at, you could look at that dream team. It, it was kind of, I would say over ambitious to get too excited about. Those yeah. Teams. Oh, looking think, back for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got way too excited about what could be with maybe players that weren't in that position. I think this go around, it's a realistic excitement. There's, there is a real energy in the air with this young team, with a team that is built with having 24-year-old, 25-year-olds, where the windows are going to be much longer than a dream team. Yeah, it feels more sustainable. Vince yeah. Young is one of the guys that you bring in and you're excited Yeah, looking about. back at the dream team, man, <laughs> outside of Namdi and DRC, Ronnie Brown was on the downturn of his Stunk. career, and he was a backup. He was horrible. Vince Young was a backup. Stunk. Cullen Jenkins wasn't Stunk. really anything to ride home about. <laughs> Jason Babin was on his fifth team in like four years. I mean, he, he was a jerk. Did turn out, yeah, he was <laughs> the worst. He did turn out an 18-sack season, though, funny enough, in 2011. But I, I think why I was so into 2011, though, is because the 2010 team was like my favorite of all time growing up. Michael Vick, Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, and Jeremy Macklin, they fall short in the wild card. And although those moves looking back were clearly a mistake in firing Sean McDermott for Juan Castillo, but at the time, again, you got to remember the, the national media was buzzing like around the Eagles. They're like, they're going after the Green Bay Packers. I think they had the third highest Super Bowl odds at this time of that offseason. So again, and I'm a, at that point a 
14 year old kids. So I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid regardless. So mm. I think that's why like, I, so I ranked my, um, I ranked my top five exciting off seasons yesterday on Twitter and I put 2011 fourth, but honestly, energy wise, I probably put it third over 2022 just because of, you know, the age I was at, at back then, but you're right. Like 2022 is way more sustainable. It's a bunch of players in their prime that actually fit this football team. Without a doubt. I think yeah. you can look back at what Chip Kelly was doing too. And I, yeah. I was excited with the DeMarco Murray move for some Ugh. reason. And Byron Maxwell. And I think when they didn't get Mariota, though. I was kind of over the offseason at that point. Because <laughs> I, I, I refused to, to believe away. Bradford was the piece. Um, but then when he, when he said that uh, Bradford is not a trade chip, he's the only chip here. I, I lost all hope. Yeah, outside of himself, right? When yeah, yeah. You can't say he's the only chip here when your name is Chip. That what, what would be your things. most exciting offseason like for you, like emotionally? Again, on paper, it didn't have to work out. Like for me, it was 2016 just because you got your franchise quarterback. It felt like you were returning to Eagles football. The way Chip did things, it just felt like you were zagging while everybody else was zigging in a, in a bad way, though. You know what I mean? Mm. And it just felt like you got back to some normalcy. You were getting a franchise quarterback. The McLeod move was great. The Brandon Brooks move. Heck, I even was drinking the DGB Kool-Aid back then. So I think 2016 was my top. I would say 2017. I was yeah. a big fan for a while when I was in my college days of just sitting on Twitter for hours and reading any rumor I could for the oh, longest yeah. time. Same, and man. Weeks and even months prior to 2017 around that trade deadline the year before, there was talk of – Alshon Jeffrey potentially being traded to Philly and Torrey Smith. They end up going out and getting both of those guys in that offseason. And you saw how pivotal it was to bring in guys like, like Garrett Blunt, guys that have won before, guys yeah. that are good football players. I think that was the first time when it was like, okay, if we sign good football players, put them next to our quarterback who happens to also be pretty good, we can have a good result on offense. And that was why I'm so excited about 2022 mm -hmm. is because I think they've done it even better this go around in a more sustainable format. 2017, Alshon, he was only getting older. Torrey Smith was only getting older. LeGarrette Blunt was only getting older. Chris Long was only getting older. Now, Hassan Riddick is on the right side of 30. Kaiser White's on the right side of 30. Jordan Davis, A.J. Brown, all of those guys are on the right side even younger than 25, yeah. this window seems to be more open than a 2017 window would have been. We thought it might have extended a few years past that, but to look back and see the results, it was a one-year lightning-in-a-bottle type thing. We have to get that lightning in a bottle and find a way to harness it Stretch to it use out, that yeah. energy for multiple years. For well, multiple least, seasons. At least you didn't have to have uh, to talk yourself into Kenny Britt in 2017. Remember how close? I, I didn't feel like Alshon was going to come to Philadelphia Airport, brother. People uh, saw him Everybody there. was thinking, <laughs> yeah, everybody thought Alshon wasn't going to come to Philly. We thought we were going to have to settle for Torrey Smith and Kenny Britt. So when Jeffrey did sign, though, that was big. And mm. especially after the way Doriel Green Beckham flamed out in 2016, Nelson Aguilar was bad. You know, Josh Huff was bad. So 2017 and 2022, although 2022 feels more sustainable, they were similar in the way it was like 2016 and 2021. They were the, the first years of the new era, you know, a stepping stone season. Although the Eagles made the playoffs in 2021, you felt kind of the same way as 2016. Like there was work to be done. It was a big offseason coming up. 
Um, but it was exciting to see the Alshon move and they traded for Timmy Jernigan. They traded for Ronald Darby late in the season. There was a ton of activity. The draft was in Philly that year. So that's definitely in my top five, but yeah, again, for me, it's just like 2016, 2015 was such a miserable time to be an Eagles fan. It didn't even feel like your team. You had DeMarco Murray there and Miles Austin, these former Cowboys that sucked. And Sam Bradford was the most boring quarterback I've ever seen in Eagles history. Like we, we grew up spoiled. We had all these mobile quarterbacks to watch. And then we get, and even Nick Foles would go God mode in 2013. And then we get Bradford. So 2016 was just such a breath of fresh air. You get a new quarterback, mm-hmm. a coach that was under Andy Reid, it felt familiar. And, and that's why I think we talked about Jeffrey Lurie like taking his team back after 2015. That's what 2016 felt like. It was like returning our Philadelphia Eagles back to us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We had kind of lost our way for a little bit. For, yeah. Chip Kelly was that girlfriend that you look back and say, that wasn't who I was supposed to date. Oh, yeah. And then you go on and you find your wife and the person yeah. that you're supposed to be with forever. And I think they've kind of taken that route now and trying to find a more sustainable way to grow a football team. And games aren't won in the offseason as much as we like to believe so. I think we have, as Eagles fans, drank the Kool-Aid sometimes. I mean, 20, oh, yeah. 2016, 2017, we were starting to buy into that Kool-Aid again. 2017, the results were there. But looking back at years like 2011, 2012, we were drinking the Kool-Aid. We were getting poisoned, man. That was rat poison, as Jalen Hurts likes to say. I think now, looking at it from a realistic perspective, a team-building perspective, the cohesion between general manager and coach, it's all there. And I think what I'd like to say and have said throughout this offseason is Howie Roseman writing the wrongs that he has encountered in the past. I think this team as a whole has kind of been in a, a a different spot as an organization coming off the success of the early 2000s and then having your coach be there for 10 years, losing your way and then finding this weird bit of success. That's tough to balance. Usually teams are like the Buffalo Bills. They were bad for nearly a decade, decade and a half, right? And then they find success. There's not these teams that are good and then bad, and then all of a sudden they win a Super Bowl. Like That doesn't happen that often. And the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, are back to the Philadelphia Eagle way of finding success. You're bringing in guys that love to play football, the Darius Slaves of the world. Even your quarterback, Jalen Hurts, loves it. A.J. Brown, a tough physical player, Jordan Davis. It's going to be an instant day one, fall in love with the fans type of guy. I saw him at the... Eagles autism challenge, taking pictures with everybody. He seems to be the fan favorite right now. You should be drinking this 2022 Kool-Aid. It's different. It tastes better. It's sunnier out. It's a more refreshing day. Grab yourself a glass, put some cubes in there. I think we're all right to be on board with this 2022 team. All right, Gina, we'll wrap up this Monday edition of Locked on Eagles. Coming up next, comparing the 2022 offseason to past Eagles offseasons when it comes to buzz factor. We'll get into more next after this on Locked on Eagles. When you got to do a lot of work on your football team, make sure that you are following along on the Locked on Eagles podcast so you know what to do. But if you got to do a lot of work on your car, we're not the guys for you. But we have a little website that will help you out. It's rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models it's impossible to go to any chain front store walk in and say hey i need this from my car they're probably going to sit there and say well we have our warehouse model that happens to be our brand 
And we're also going to charge you 30 to 50, even 100 times more than rockauto.com does. And right now, we know how expensive gas is. You don't need to be shelling out even more money for your automobile. Make sure you go to rockauto.com today. It's family-owned. The prices are reliably low for every customer. You could get brake lamp, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, anything you need for your vehicle, for your particular model, for anything that you need when it comes to cars. Go to rockauto.com today right in there. How did you hear about us, Box? Make sure you write locked on so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com today and make sure you told them Locked On sent you. All right, Eagles fans, thanks so much for tuning in to this Monday edition of Locked On Eagles, kicking off another week of shows, five episodes downloaded into your phone, wherever you get the podcast, getting into today, we know how much energy and buzz there's been really since the NFL draft this offseason for the Eagles, and we're comparing it to past offseasons when it comes to the excitement level heading into the summer on paper. You know, although 2011 didn't pan out, the Dream Team offseason was one of the most exciting in Eagles history. Like, let's just be honest about it. 2015, there was a lot going on, whether you liked it or not. There was a lot of activity in you were never bored with the Eagles, right? So kind of comparing 2022 to we those We never past are, man. They never. always keep us on our toes I think here. the most – I don't know what the most boring offseason – I mean, 2020, I guess you could say, was maybe the least activity. Or mm. 2018, after the Super Bowl, they were kind of running it back. They made a few moves here and there. Um, Mike Wallace and – what else was that? Well, we were LJ still Ford. talking about them. The buzz right. was there. Exactly. Well, yeah, it they wasn't were the reigning quiet. Super Bowl champions. So, <laughs> yeah, there really hasn't been a quiet offseason since I can remember. So I ranked my top five um, offseasons when it comes to excitement level on Twitter yesterday. So number one, I had 2016. Number two, I had 2019. Three, 2022. Number four, 2011. And then five, 2017. 2011, the 2019 is the only one I didn't hit on yet, Gino. That one for me was... And again, it didn't work out. Everybody got hurt and we saw what happened, but that was all about building around Carson Wentz, like getting him the missing pieces, the deep threat. And it happened to be one of the most exciting Eagles players, my favorite growing up of all time, Deshaun Jackson. How many times on this podcast do we talk about reunions? That finally happened. You get the missing piece in the backfield, Miles Sanders, the do-it-all running back. You take Andre Dillard in the first round. Everything just felt it was maximizing your quarterback. That's what it was all about. So that's why it was so high for me, even though it didn't work out. And the DNA trio of Alshon, Aguilar, and Jackson, I was in on that. Um, what was your, like, you know, looking at my top five, is there anything different that you would put in your top five? Any off seasons I missed? Real quick on 2019, I don't yeah. think Buzz has ever died for a season quicker than 2019. I know, and that it was second over... half of the Washington and it started game. exactly the way we wanted it to. Deshaun mm. Jackson, 154 yards, nine catches, and two touchdowns to beat Washington. And then it was done, just like that. <laughs> I mean, they lose that game. They oh drop it in the second half. You thought everything was going right for them in the first half of that game, and that's why you can't get too excited about these things because right. they can be gone in the blink of an eye, my friend. We've learned that Look, more than any fan base. Whew, seriously, though, looking at your list, yeah, I think it's pretty spot on. I think 2022 is, is right up there. I know yeah. that there's going to be a little bit of recency bias with that equation, but looking at the results of what they have brought in, it's tough to argue otherwise. I was a big fan of 2017. I loved that yeah. Alshon move. I loved what they were doing to bring all those guys in. I go back to the early years, that T.O. Javon curse offseason. I was talking about what, missing pieces. I mean, McNabb did not have that. 
Mm-hmm. And then the 2008 offseason, because it was kind of that last run for that team. Mm. And you bring in a young Deshaun Jackson, you're like, okay, we, we have another weapon for, for Donovan. Can, can things change a little bit here? Weren't the best team, weren't the most exciting team, but they made that last run and always – have a little bit of a place in my heart for that season yeah. when they when they made that last final run at, at Arizona there almost made the the Super Bowl then after that things oh man I I think of the 2009 2010 stretch where Donovan's gone Brian Dawkins yeah. is gone Brian Westbrook they did gone. draft Macklin and McCoy though in the first they two did. rounds and then the year before they took D Jackson round two it's just funny they finally started drafting weapons high and then they get rid of the <laughs> no. quarterback that never got that. <laughs> Never had it. Yeah, James Thrash, Todd Pinkston never really had anything surrounding him. Poor five. 2013 man. 14 was interesting after the uh, whole Nick Foles Hall of Fame year that he had. What was going to happen in 2014? Yeah. They cut they for me. That was, uh, that was a tough offseason. Dude, I remember that vividly. I get home after one of my least, I think it was Art History 101. I walk in the room and to my fiance's apartment, and they have ESP. I don't know why they had ESPN on. It was a premonition of sorts, yeah. and all I see is Deshaun Jackson cut by the Philadelphia. Well, and Djax had posted on Instagram like two days before because there were rumors about their issues, Jackson and Chip. Mm-hmm. There was a picture of Chip and Jackson in Kelly's office, and Djax said, all good, me and the coach working things out. And then he was released two days later. So I kind of was built up like, oh, we're good. We're keeping Jackson mm. next year, and then he leaves and signs with Washington, which made it even worse. Is there anything better than when that 2013 team gets together and they reminisce about how bad oh, Chip I Kelly was? Every time Vic and Jackson, <laughs> I think DJX and Shady are supposed to be on the podcast. I saw them post on Instagram oh, in a week. I eat that up. I remember during the pandemic, uh, Jackson and McCoy were live on Instagram talking about it. And uh, yeah, him and Vic have done some shows together. I Again, I'm a sucker for like 2010 to 20. 2020 Eagles nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I eat it all up, man. But 2013 was interesting because you were like Andy Reid got fired. You were devastated that those dream team and redeem team years didn't work out and you mm-hmm. didn't know the direction of the team and you didn't know like who the quarterback was going to be that year. But there was a level of excitement with Chip Kelly. I mean, you know, as an Oregon fan coming from where he was, they just made a national championship, right? Mm-hmm. And so you did think with the pieces you did have on offense, like this could be electric. And then the way that season started too. Yeah, but it was like you were torn because they were just tearing everything down that you knew for, you know, two decades. Everything. We had yeah. known Andy forever. Donovan's right. gone. It's a new team. That was the yeah. first time that was I really the first looked real reset. Yeah. At that T. Yeah. That's when you took a step back and said, okay, the NFL is different. It, this is mm-hmm. a business. This isn't keep all your favorite players around like Madden until you can shut off your PlayStation at night and go to bed happy. These guys really have to do go out there, perform, get paid, and have to keep up year over year in terms of revitalizing the team. That was a weird place to be for a while. Yeah when it was almost as if it was a year-to-year type of situation. It wasn't like they were ever building for the long term. Chip Kelly never seemed like he was interested in building till 2020. It was, let's win now. Now, I think they have found that balance. Taking a step back with your owner and Jeffrey Lurie, allowing the delegation of Howie Roseman and everybody else to do what they have to do. Howie 
experiencing his wrongs that he has to write over the past couple of years. Nick Sariani being in a position where he knows all the expectations are there. Jonathan Gannon getting everything he needs, plus your quarterback being primed for hopefully a step up in 2022. It's hard to look past this offseason and look at the long term and the now and not be excited for what's to come yeah. over the next, I would say, two, three years here in Philadelphia. It's never a dull moment. Next offseason, we got two first-round picks, so I'm sure we'll be talking about the 2023 offseason as well. Uh, a great show. Again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast Monday through Friday on all platforms, including video form on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at DBLCLOE, and at GC24 underscore football. Again, thank you for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day, and make sure your second listen is the Locked On NFL podcast all the news across the NFL in under 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your shows. I joined Kevin Ostriker yesterday on the show, so we talked about some James Bradbury and uh, all the Eagles offseason moves, so check that out on all podcast platforms. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for watching and listening, and let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.